welcome to another episode of the producers podcast today you're rocking with kj who's going to be driving the producers podcast and then you got my man ty across from me who's going to be co-hosting and he's going to be debating me about some a very important topic um in regards to the denver nuggets so ty how you doing man doing good man doing good yeah it's been a good day it's been a good week love to hear it man i mean you know, it's it's been uh, one of those weird transitions here in Colorado. Like some days are sunny, some days are not. Um, but, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, we got a lot of things to be happy about, especially, you know, right now in, in, in Denver. So with that being said, we want to focus in today specifically on the Denver Nuggets. And with the Denver Nuggets making a plethora of offseason moves, um, it, it really made us begin to ask the question of what direction exactly are the Denver Nuggets going? And that's a very deep question because for the longest time, it was just built around Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and the rest will figure itself out. Right. Well, these guys aren't just growing into who they're going to become but those two players are refined and ready to and, and ready to kind of take that next step. So yeah, they're ready to go. Exactly. So Ty, I'll toss it to you first and ask you, what direction? Um, who do you think the Denver Nuggets are, and and where do you think this current team can potentially take them? Well, the direction of the Nuggets roster, it seems to be building completely around Nikola Jokic right now, right? Because. They saw last year, they're not quite sure about Jamal Murray or MPJ right now because injuries, and they're not sure where they're going to be at the beginning of the season. They're not sure where MPJ is going to be all season, right? So uh, I, I like where they're going with their roster. I like think that the roster, it makes, it makes sense, right? They're filling their team with wings. They're filling, filling their team with 3 and D guys to really help out Jokic on both sides, on both ends. You know, they got KCP to really help with screens, and hit threes. They got Bruce Brown to do both to keep guys from penetrating and really attacking Jokic. I like it. Now, I don't like the DeAndre Jordan move, but that's negligible. Besides, Buggy's still out there, so they can get him whenever they want. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I like the moves they made. I like that the roster's more congruent. You can get, you know what the team is, it makes sense now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think for me, the biggest thing with the Denver Nuggets is they say this has been their identity all along in regards to 3 and D guys, guys that can not just help Nikola Jokic, but can also, you know, be the support system from the wing that he needs on both sides of the court. And when I look at the way the Denver Nuggets are constructed this year specifically compared to several years in the past since Nikola's been there, why haven't they gone out of out of their way to make this roster this year look like the ones of years past? Well, it's because they know that offense isn't going to be the only thing that helps them. And way too often they've had too many guys that are offensive-minded, and they had enough guys who could kind of sort of stay in front of the ball. But there are going to be moments where you've got to understand the switching of screens on defense. you got to understand when to rotate. you got to understand when to be able to – go under the pick and then when to be able to go over it. And you got to, it's a lot right. of nuances on the defensive end that players of the past that were here just did not fully understand. Now 
you had guys that came along the way, like, you know, Tory Craig and P.J. Dozier and several other uh, 3 and D wings. Yeah, Jeremy were, Grant. Yeah, Jeremy Grant. Oh, I love Jeremy Grant. Yeah, he was so good. It, it was. It's such a – it's so bad that he, he left. And especially since the, this roster seems more – more like the one that in, more like the one in the bubble that really took them as far as they could, like with Jeremy Grant, with Gary Harris, and th- so, yeah, it, this team makes more sense now. It, it, it's it, it seems like that team from the bubble, but more, more focused. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. I mean, I I think you got guys who take this a little bit more serious in regards to they know their roles, they know where they're supposed to be. They know how to get there, and they know when to get there. They know ultimately what Michael Malone is going to be looking for from them specifically. And I think when you have a system and you have players that can fit within that system the way that you always envisioned it as a coach, then you know you can really take the team from here, you know, being like a 50 to 55 win team that maybe can get to the second round. Six seed team. Right, you know, and now you can take them from that to maybe like a 60-plus win team where realistically you guys can be a top four seed every year if right. you keep this same structure together. I mean... Yeah, and, and actually, Absolutely, and uh, to your point, like, that this seems more like a Malone team. Like, I I do seem... Because remember, the Nuggets lost them commonly to the, uh, to the Timberwolves, right? Kellen right. Booth. Like, this team feels a lot more like a Malone team. It feels like... This team, like the upper management, Calvin Booth and Michael Malone, are a lot more in sync. Like, and I think that's that's a good thing because it'll, it'll allow well, Malone to get more creative with his lineups. I think because y- you notice how Malone was kind of, you know, kind of iffy with a lot of his lineups, a lot of his in-game management. Oh yeah, yeah that might I have mean, been a case. lot of nice he was. Yeah, that that might have been a case of, okay, well, I'm not sure about this guy. I'm not sure about this piece. I'm not sure about that. I don't think how, I don't. I'm not comfortable with this. Now he has all these pieces to play with. He has Bones. He has his Bruce Brown. He has his choice to to be his sixth man, right? He has a, his choice between KCP and, you know, he can shift Jamal Murray around, right, depending on the situation. Like, he, like this, I think this, this roster will afford him a lot more options. He'll be a lot more comfortable being creative in-game management-wise. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean... For the ones who are listening to this and you're asking yourself what players exactly did they lose and what players did they gain. So some of the players that they lost was Austin Rivers, Monte Morris, Marcus Howard, Jermichael Green, Brennan Forbes, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Compazzo, and Will Barton. And those were very key pieces to this team in regards to their success. But the only problem was those guys were they were good, but they were not able to take their games to great as far as their role was concerned. And then you look at the guys that they brought in, you know, as you mentioned, Bruce Brown, Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Um, they got DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith, and then they also drafted Peyton Watson and then Christian Brown. And yep. then they also got a couple of undrafted guys who will probably go on to make this roster at some point. At got, some point. At some Especially point. for for uh, Colin Gillespie. Yes. Yeah. So, super sorry for that guy. Yeah, yeah. So for, for the ones who haven't heard uh, recently – he um, was diagnosed with a fractured leg, and uh, his timetable for how long he'll be out is indefinite. With that being said, yeah, there are no— some estimates say five to six months. Yeah, roughly speaking. But but he's a two-way guy. A lot of people don't know the severity of the injury or how he sustained it at the moment that this is being recorded. But 
what we will say is he was in his home city of Philadelphia when it happened. So, you know, our thoughts are with him, and uh, hopefully he can make a speedy recovery. I would probably, if, if I were Colin, just probably focus on trying to get back to the G League this year. The league will always be there. The Nuggets wouldn't have taken a chance on you if they didn't believe in your talent. Absolutely. So that's something to kind of take into consideration as well. I mean, yeah. and, and they also brought back Davon Reed and uh, Vlako, uh Chanchar. So Yeah, love the Reed resigning. Love that they kept him. I do too. I do too. I, he's more of a consistent three-point shooter than people give him credit. Yep. Now, again, he's no Steph Curry by any stretch of the imagination. But well, nobody is. You know, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but, like, when you look at some of the 3 and D guys that – the Denver Nuggets have had over the years, you know, he's probably one of the better ones as far as shooting the ball because a lot of them were inconsistent, which is why they weren't here. It's like Malone needed you specifically to play one role, and they did great on the defensive end. It's just when they would pass you the ball, you became more of a liability than a necessity. And right, so it goes back to the way that this current roster is constructed. I mean – we can go through the starting five and, you know, the first few players off the bench. I mean, obviously you got Jamal Murray, Contavious Cotwell, Pope. You'll probably run with Michael Porter Jr. at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, and Nikola Jokic at the five. And then from there you'll have Bones Holland off the bench, Bruce Brown probably following him, and DeAndre Jordan will probably come in to get a few minutes to kind of give Nikola Jokic a break. And then I can see a real-life possibility where Christian Brown will play a good chunk of minutes because he's an aggressive, feisty player. I mean, though he's a rookie, he's he's aggressive, he's feisty, he's someone that's going to go out of his way to he's earn that his dog playing time. Oh, he really does. He, he's got that dog. Look, I look, mean. He's, he's going to be a pain on defense. He's going to talk. talk I, I can't say that word. He's going to get in people's face. He's, he's going to be He's going to be an agitator. He's, no, he's gonna. He, he really is. I mean, he's gonna make life miserable for the other team. When I think of Kansas basketball, I don't think of dogs coming out of Kansas. So this is a well, rarity. No, nobody does. It, the, the only dog. The only dog people think coming out of Kansas is, is Toto. <laughs> I, I I I would agree. I just think that when you ultimately think about some of the players that Malone likes and the places that they usually go to get them, you know, schools of Kansas caliber usually aren't high on the list because some of the best nitty-gritty, grinded-out type players usually come from, you know, smaller schools or maybe like, you know, non-Power 5 Division One schools. And so, you know, shout-out to Christian Braun for not only being on a championship team this past season with the Kansas Jayhawks, but also – creating a role for himself where the league could see, hey, this guy could really carve himself out to be one of the better three-way wings in the entire league. Not to, men- not to mention, they also drafted Peyton Watson. I think Peyton Watson is probably going to be a little bit more yeah. of a development. He may take a year yeah, or two his, before he starts to bloom. Yeah, his offense is a little shaky, but they wouldn't have taken him if they didn't believe in his defense, But and that's the key. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, uh, and you can say that pretty much about a lot of these guys is they wouldn't be in the position that they're in if they didn't have aspects of their game that not only Malone, but more of the upper brass likes. I mean, Calvin Booth has really taken a, this 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 well-oiled machine that Tim Conley left behind and has taken it from here to here in regards to being able to incorporate different 
systems and different plans and kind of really make this what Malone would consider a Malone roster. And yeah. from that perspective, I think this makes Malone happy because Malone now can just be able to kind of sit back, breathe, and say, okay, finally I got a roster not only that I'm proud of, but a roster that I can be able to work with time and time and time again to maneuver it in a way that I can put a guy here or a guy there and it won't look like we're losing much because way too often last season, I know Michael Porter Jr. was out for the majority of the season. I know yep. Jamal Murray was out as well, but way too often would he put his bench out there and he would either have to leave one or two starters out there or he'd be rushing the starters back about nine to ten minutes within the second quarter and then they got to roll the rest of the way. Yeah, And it's just like that's that's too much. You ought to be able to trust your bench because – you're going to need them in spurts in the playoffs, too. It's not just a regular season. So thank goodness that they have a veteran roster that has the ability to make those adjustments. And even though Bones Holland is still uh, growing as a combo yeah, guard. Yeah, sophomore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's going to he's gonna take on the road this year that I think is going to allow him to kind of see a different light. And I think with Jamal Murray being able to be in his ear on and off the court pretty much every second of the day, I think it'll make his life 10 times easier knowing that you have a potential all-star walking you through what you need to do. And then eventually you will be able to go out there and accomplish it. Yeah, absolutely. Like what, what this team is, it's a team that can win without Jokic being MVP form every single night. I agree. Every single night last year, he had to be the MVP. He had to win the game. Yeah. Like the Nuggets had to have at least an eight point lead Every time Jokic went to the bench, every yep. single time, because you knew they would lose it, you knew they would struggle. Like Jokic had to win the game every single game last year. Now the Nuggets have a roster that can win without Jokic being MVP. They can support Jokic. They can they can prop him up. Yeah, no, and I think that's probably what makes this team probably the most vital in regards to their ability to lean on the others. Now, I think a lot of this season is and. I know this is not the most popular opinion, but I think a lot of this season is going to be impinging upon the success of Michael Porter Jr. Absolutely. If he can continue to shoot the ball at a high clip while also continuing to be a great re- rebounder that he was uh, going um, yeah. during the 2020-21 season, if he can continue to build on top of that by maybe adding a little bit more shot blocking in his game or you know, being able to kind of like successfully make the switches, you know, nobody's going to expect him to be able to guard one through five, but if he can be able to begin to hold his own a little bit more, the confidence he'll have offensively will be crazy. He's already confident now without being able to do all of those things. Imagine if he adds that to his game and he's able to really hone in on that side of the ball and not just do it because it's the right thing to do, but do it because he loves it. Yeah. Although to your point, I'm sure he's confident in his offensive game, but I'm not sure. I think he has to build some confidence in his back. And what what you're mentioning is that the rebounding, the getting in the paint, the shot blocking, that's all dependent on his back. And of course, the shot selection too. So, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a a great a big question mark. That's great and known with MPJ this year. Is he just gonna be a six ten shooter, or is he or is he gonna flash that that potential? Yeah, no, for sure, and. and... With his injuries, mainly been the back injury uh, that has plagued him over his entire career, 
I think the biggest thing for Michael Porter Jr. is to ask himself, what can I add to this team that will allow me to also be able to have great success in regards to my health long-term? That may – and so what does that look like? Some people envision a world where he could go on the average 30 to 35 a game. He could be a potential leading scoring candidate. Like he could win a scoring title one day. I don't think that's his role. I think no. I think he should focus more on averaging somewhere between 20 to 22 a game, try to get maybe 10 boards and maybe like a block and a half a game, and then from there just focus on trying to be a better perimeter defender. And I know his three-point shot will – continue to grow even though it's already around a 40% clip right now. Absolutely. And and that's and I think that's the key for this team to really contend. Like nobody the way for the Nuggets to contend, nobody needs to be MVP form. Nobody needs to be the great big superstar. Jokic this team needs to work in harmony. Like Jokic doesn't need to prop up the team put him on his back. MPJ doesn't need to do that on his bad back and Jamal Murray doesn't need to do that either. They all, all they all have to work harmoniously. Yeah, for sure. And I think with with the big three kind of coming together to try to put this all together, because I think this is going to be the first season where they're going to look at each other and be um, expected to kind of take that next step, which then leads to the next question of did Denver do enough this offseason? Do they feel confident enough about what they did this offseason to be able to call themselves a title contender? So, I'll kind of lead this one in, and I will say I think they did to put themselves in title contention. I don't think they, I don't think they're where they need to be to win a title. I think they're about a piece or two away, yeah. um, just because you know you need to be deep whenever you make these runs. And I think there are still a few positions that can be uh, fulfilled, kind of towards the ninth, tenth, and eleventh man on the bench. Yeah, and absolutely, and even even like six through ten. That even then, that's kind of the iffy because the town's so young. It's it's still young. It needs to develop, right? And, and even so, even in the Western Conference, the West is stacked. So the Nuggets need some time to really find their way through, especially with Golden State in their way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, it's one of those weird situations where the Nuggets they understand that they are no longer on the Potter's wheel in regards to how people view them they're going to be expected to take that next step this season. And I'm talking about the next step where no one's going to be babying them. No one's going to be looking at them like, oh, you know, they're still growing. They're they're getting there. Um, no, those, those days are long gone. I mean, let's look at guys who could potentially come off the bench. And we kind of touched on them a little bit earlier, but we can go in depth now because it's the bench guys that we're more so worried about. I know Jamal Murray, he, he has a type of injury that over time he will be able to come together. Uh, in regards to his mental health combining with his physical health. We know that played a huge part into why he didn't come back last season. His knee was, um, was I would say it was close to 100%, but, you know, when the mental and the physical aren't meeting together, you know, oftentimes as a player you want to make sure that you take care of yourself first so that you can right. be there for the team. So a few of the bench players that will potentially – you know, come off the bench at some point this year and play a role for the Nuggets. Christian Braun, Bruce Brown Jr., Blanco Chanchar. Um, we have Jeff Green, Bones Highland, DeAndre Jordan, Zeke Naji, Davon Reed, and potentially Ish Smith. So you have a a deep 
group of guys, but outside of, you know, maybe Bruce Brown, Bones Highland, and Davon Reed, like, and, and Jeff Green, of course, I, I don't see anybody else that are like real big time needle movers. Um, right. So when it comes to a championship team, like, there are more times than not you have players on your bench that would probably go start for more than half of the other for for the rest of the league's starting five. So there's always like one or two. So if I had to give, you know, a quick example, let's take the Golden State Warriors. Um there's no doubt in my mind that Jordan Poole would probably be the starting point guard for like over half the teams yep, that absolutely. are out there right now. And another player off of their bench that probably it'd be like close in regards to him starting, but I think would probably still, you know, be able to make a pretty decent impact. I think the point I'm making is that there are, you know, when it comes to a championship team, there are several players that you usually can be able to pinpoint in regards to their ability to start other places. So if you're the Denver Nuggets, you have to ask yourself, do we have the requisite pieces to be able to turn it, turn this thing around? You have guys that are willing to compete. You have a lot of guys who are subsequent, you know, good wing defenders or, you know, they try their best to stay in front of the ball. But when it comes to trying to make a championship team, oftentimes a championship team is driven by not just the players that start, but by the players who are able to come in and, and, you know, cover the gap while the starters are getting a rest. And I think for what it's worth, I think personally that hurt the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals because, you know, no disrespect to some of the guys they had coming off the bench between Grant Williams and between um, – oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, what's our Colorado guy? Um, uh Oh, my goodness. I am drawing a blank, guys. But there are several guys that were on the Boston Celtics bench that ultimately um, – uh, White, Derek White, Derek White. Yep. There we go. So, you know, and so they had guys that were good and probably were going to make, you know, a contribution elsewhere. But neither neither one of those guys were super-duper needle movers. And it's hard. It is super hard, especially when you have – talent that is on the verge of getting paid. And you also know that you have guys that are getting in position to become superstars is going to always be tough for bench guys to find their role, uh, especially the deeper you go because the starters and the stars are usually playing nothing less than 40 minutes a game. So you're trying to make the most of your eight to 12 minutes and in your eight to 12 minutes, the question then becomes not only can they trust you, but can you make enough of an impact that if a guy goes out, you can be able to step into his role and they wouldn't miss much during a very significant stretch? These are the types of questions that the Denver Nuggets will have to ask themselves. They won't be answered overnight, but I think at some point throughout the season, as they are starting to get off of the potter's wheel and go into the fire so that they can be formed and fully molded into what they're going to become, then they'll be able to figure out exactly who they are and what they need to change uh, before they become too set in place in regards to their championship contention status. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, like what we don't really need to see them contend. I mean, I'm going to go kind of Sean 
<laughs> kind of Sean here. Uh, the Nuggets don't really need to contend. It's all right if they don't if not, not they're not in the conference finals. If they're not if they don't, don't make it past round two, we just need to, to see some forward momentum. We need to see some forward momentum from the young guys from from uh, Jamal Murray, from MPJ, from um uh, not from the likes of Najee and Devon Reed and all them. We just need to see that this team is going in the right direction, right? Yeah, I'm... right because. You know, Mal- Mal- the pressure's on Malone this year, too, because this is his roster. Like, this is definitively his. And if the Nuggets self-destruct like they did last year, if they have drama like they, like they did between uh, Barton and Cousins, there's going to be you know, hell to pay. Like, people are going to start calling for Malone's head. Yeah. I mean, there's there's um, there's a lot of naysayers out there that, believe that Malone is not the guy to get the Nuggets where they need to go. Particularly at the station. Yeah, and, you know, and I wasn't going to bring that up, but, you know. Um, <laughs> with, but, you know, the point I'm getting at is that you're absolutely right. It's going to be on Malone to put himself in position, not just with the fact that they've given him this roster, but put himself in position to show everyone that, hey, when I have not only just players, but I have upper management who believes in my ability to lead my system and to be able to take this team to the promised land, look what I can do. Now, 2020 with the bubble will always be like this off-brand year because what was done in the bubble will never be recreated ever again. Ever. It's a completely neutral playing field. It's completely sterile conditions. You're never going to get anything like that again. No. So for what is worth in my eyes, I think it's going to be very important on Malone to come knowing that every eyeball is going to be on you as far as every decision you make, every rotation you make, every player that you upset or every player that you make happy. These things are going to fall on Malone's lap and it's going to be up to him to decide exactly how these things are going to go going forward. And I will also go into this thing saying that the Nuggets don't look at other teams in regards to how to build a championship, but do take bits and pieces of what made them great and incorporate it into what makes the Nuggets great. Because you can always along the way kind of take a little, take a little bit of both in regards to what you do and what's a uh, title, con- a uh, perennial title contender has done. Um, you may not love that team, but it doesn't mean that what they're doing isn't greatness. And I think yeah. that's super important as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, like the Nuggets. Yeah, they can easily take from uh, from the Bucks. They can take, they can follow the Bucks model. Like, they have the one central big man, but they but they can build around them. They can. They found the role players to really prop Giannis up. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what allowed Giannis to grow into what makes him the great player that we've come to know and love. And um, for what it's worth, in my eyes, I think that's that's super significant to understand that Nicole is your one, Jamal is your two, Michael Porter Jr. is your three. And on a great day, Aaron Gordon would probably be your four. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, again, all of the pieces are in place. Now it's just going to be all about 
making sure that the Nuggets don't lose sight of what they have and that they continue to put their foot on the gas because if they don't, then ultimately you're going to kind of see the demise of what was one of the greatest teams. I mean, we saw so many teams in the 1990s and 1980s that were not able to get over the hump. A lot of it due in large part to the, the Lakers the Lakers and the Bulls and things of that nature. But um, I don't want the Nuggets to become another one of those teams because it's so easy for them to fall into that category and it can be avoided. And so if yeah, you're the Nuggets, let's do that. Yeah. The, yeah. The Nuggets have to break out of this mentality, this, this culture, like the Nuggets have been the perennial little brother in the Western conference forever. They've been the little brother to the Lakers forever. Every single time they've made it to the Western conference final with a chance to make it to the, uh, to the, to the NBA final, the Lakers have stopped them down their tracks. And they have to find a way to get over this demon. And 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 now it's yeah they're playing a little brother to another or a California team to the Golden State Warriors, and they have to find a way to overcome that. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, with that being said, um, as we continue to put a bow on this episode, I just first off want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and we also just want to say that. We believe in the Nuggets, and this entire episode was about making sure that the Nuggets understand that they have a significant chance to take that next step this season, but it's going to be on them to make the most of their opportunity. As far as what we have to close out the show, Ty, are you seeing red? I uh, I am. Man, I went to the dentist recently. And uh, yeah, that I I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. So yeah, a month month ago, I went to see a dentist. I, I had my biannual cleaning, and uh, a special thing my dentist does is they do X rays. They do X rays on on the teeth, make sure it's healthy, make sure it's it's nice. Right. But but you know, in this case, mine wasn't. Oh. They found something. Oh. Just what they found. These few these these little words knew, and I knew I was screwed. You have a cavity, so I had to go back, and so I had to go back a couple of weeks later and get a filling. And God, and anything, God, getting any, getting any work done in your mouth sucks. It sucks so much. So the first visit, they charged me like over three hundred bucks just to scrape my teeth with a metal hook. Right, scrape my teeth with a metal hook. Like you put something in my mouth to scan my teeth. Hopefully, I don't get mouth cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and and after that, they charged me over three hundred bucks for that. And then they forced me to come back to get my to get my teeth tooth drilled, get some freaking plastic put on my tooth, and then charge me another three hundred bucks for that. I had to sign up for a freaking payment plan just so they wouldn't charge me eight hundred bucks just to, to scrape my teeth, drill into it, and put some freaking plastic on top of it mm. and to mess up my bite because now my right side's taller than, than my left i have to contort Ugh. my jaw to make sure whoops to make sure i i can actually close my mouth all the way my, to make sure my jaw actually meets uh man and, and they numb your face they put they put this freaking u-pipe in my mouth to keep my mouth open which quick aside anything any tool that keeps any hole in your face open is a torture device I, I experienced it when I got my LASIK with the freaking eyelid holder. 
and I experienced it with, it with again, my hey, filling. They, they put a freaking U-pipe in my mouth that kept it so wide open. Like, they told, they told me. When they nod my face, when they did the inje- injection after I was done, make sure you don't eat anything until you can actually feel, feel your face again. Which, yeah, good luck with that. But I can't, <laughs> my jaw's so tired, I probably can't even chew anything. You know what, uh, man? And, and the final, the final insult. I had to sign up for a $360 a year, or, or like, membership plan, basically. Oh it's my a, gosh. So, yeah, basically, I got charged... 600 bucks, upwards of 600 bucks for the, just these two procedures. When I could have been charged 800 bucks, like, it, it, it sucks. You know, ah, uh, man. Going to the dentist sucks, long story short. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's one of those things that it sucked so much that it actually inspired me to try not to get any cavities for what it's worth. And it worked for a very, very long time. Now, with that being said, I am currently in the process of switching dentist offices. So we'll see how the uh, politics of the new one helps me or hurts me. But Hopefully hopefully they don't do (laughs) x-rays. I hope not either. But a lot of of today's doctor's offices, including dentists, are built around getting you services that help you but also including services that they promote. And a lot of that oftentimes leads to your insurance not being able to cover certain things. And so it's just a long thing. It's it's, it's a big thing that shouldn't be happening. But, you know, just like I know, I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, it's called dentistry. It may seem separate, but it's still part of the medical industry. In, in the U.S., so that so you know, you know that it's it's kind of broken. Nah, let's be honest. Yeah, nope, I definitely agree. It is definitely broken. And with that being said, we don't want to hold you guys too much longer because we know that this podcast means so much to you, and we want to make sure that the time we spend with you is very, 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 very. Important, and in order to keep that important, we have to make sure that we continue to put a time limit on the podcast. So, with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. And just know that the biggest thing that came from this podcast today is that dentist offices love to get their money. So, yep, make sure you ask your questions next time you go to the dentist. With that being said, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Producers Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is KJ. That is Ty. Make sure to brush teeth and floss. There you go. All right, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.